Welcome to Credibly Curious. I'm Zaskia. I'm Nick. And today we're going to talk about the fact that we both use R, but for quite different purposes, and that there are actually two really different frameworks around what we do. Hmm. So I guess I should start by just telling everyone what I do. So I'm a bioinformatician. That means I work with high-throughput um, genomics data, and I try to analyze those. What do you do, Nick? So I'm a statistician. I, I would say I identify as a statistician. And um, I work mainly with uh, creating R packages. So for the most part, my work is thinking about how to abstract away details that people don't need to think about and how to package them up. And also generally on the analysis of how to make things easy to do. Well, we both use R. Mm. But today we're going to talk about the fact that there are two different infrastructures. So what's your infrastructure? So my infrastructure is CRAN. It's the Comprehensive R Archive Network. Um, and so basically that is this collection of sites. It's all technically, this is just reading from a website. Um, CRAN is a Comprehensive R Archive Network, and it's a collection of sites which carry identical material consisting of the R distributions, the contributed extensions, documentation for R, and binaries. So that's what it says on the side. What, what does that mean? <laughs> <clears throat> I know, right? So basically, um, CRAN is where... So if you want to download R, you, you go to CRAN, and that's where you get um, the latest R version from. And it's also where all of these extensions to R live, and this is sort of the R package ecosystem, which is a really, really uh, the thing that separates R from so many other SAT softwares. Yeah, and we can talk a bit more about that. I guess I also use CRAN mm. to download some packages, but I am mainly using Bioconductor, which mm. is um, similar to CRAN, but isn't CRAN. So it's also a collection of packages, but these are for not just software, but also for data and also for annotation, which is really important in high-throughput genomics. So mm. think DNA that you want to analyze, or you want to analyze maybe flow cytometry data, and what we need to do with all these types of data is that we need to annotate them with stuff that we've already already know about these things so we can then analyze them more effectively. And these are when these annotation packages come in. So they're quite important. And that's they're also a lot larger in size than your normal package. So that's why we have a specialized sort of infrastructure system for these packages, which is Bioconductor. Mm, there you go. So... Yeah, so like I can see then, so like it seems like there would be this natural way that you would want to sort of uh, like distinguish between these two things. Because I know, for example, on CRAN, the largest package you can have, I think, is five megabytes, whereas I assume that would be quite different for Bioconductor. Well, I guess that depends what it is. It, like, mm. it, you, if, you, it's, if you, it's a software package, I think the same limits apply for mm -hmm. Bioconductor. By the way, for everyone, if we are wrong, please do correct us on oh, Twitter yes. or anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. We are, yeah, like this is just us trying to just have a discussion <laughs> about this. And by no means, this is, this is not the final authority. Yeah, exactly. We're just pretty much rambling at yeah. this point. Um, so, yeah, I think the same limits apply, apart from when it's an annotation package, which okay. then has, or um, as a matter of fact, a data package, which does have a little bit of a higher allowance. That makes sense. Seems like... Bioconductor is a, not simply, but it is just this extra group uh, of R packages that have a very specific platform. And 
So could like a bioconductive packet be on Cochrane? Is that so no. So okay. this is actually one of the really main and central things about bioconductor mm -hmm. and Cochrane. They don't want to replicate any packages on both of these mm -hmm. different infrastructures. So as a developer, you really need to decide, do you, are you a bioconductor package or are you a Cochrane package? Mm. And you would know this because if you're working in a high throughput genomics world and making a package specifically for that purpose, you are going to want to put that on Bioconductor most likely um, because that's where your people live um, rather than on CRAN. And if you just have a package that everyone really in the world can use for their statistical needs, then you'll probably be better off putting that on CRAN. That makes sense. So who created Bioconductor? So uh, Robert Gentleman actually mm -hmm. created Bioconductor. So he obviously was also one of the creators of R, the mm -hmm. original R. Yeah, so um, he's Robert Gentleman, Rosa Harker. Exactly. And uh, yeah, that was in New Zealand in 1992. I yeah, think. Uh, ages apparently ago. I didn't realize it was actually that early. Um, but yeah, so it was actually created by Robert Gentleman. So why did he, like, do you know a bit more about why he created it? I think he wanted to really provide access to software mm -hmm. um, for the analysis um, of this these high throughput data sets, which um, he saw the need really that that people were using commercial software, which was always sort of lagging four to five years behind the mm -hmm. current standard. And he thought, well, if we have um, these packages and these cool new tools available to everyone, then as a field, it can actually progress much faster. Yep. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that's like very similar to R, I guess, but it's more so along the lines of a conductor they wanted to design something that was like more catering towards the needs, I guess, specifically. I yeah, know. I think so. And they also wanted to really make sure that people were doing reproducible and open source research. Mm. That's really where they saw the need for something that was different to um, CRAN as well, because mm -hmm. they wanted to really have a focus on good documentation and make sure mm -hmm. that people can really, really easily use the software that was in there because we not all know what CRAN packages mm -hmm. sometimes. It's actually quite hard to use them. It's mm. true. So, yeah, I think R has, or CRAN actually has all these, so it has the automated checks, so you need to have some kind of documentation, but that you can still kind of, you know, slip by the checks by just writing anything in there. And it's not always possible for a human to read through all of the code that you have written. So it sounds like there's actually more human checks and human checkpoints. Yeah, there's also, yeah, I guess there's human checkpoints, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two is all bioconductor packages come with a vignette. Mm -hmm. And a vignette shows you the most common use case examples and mm -hmm. works through them step by step, really okay. with some code examples. Mm -hmm. And these are also evaluated in the BioC check when you upload your um, package so you actually have to work um, so that's really cool because mm. that means the user has a workable example they're not just some sort of toy example which is really theoretical but mm. no this actually has to work yeah okay sure so it vignettes um the code on on vignette is checked when you run our command yeah check. um and you don't, but you don't have to have a vignette for a CRAN package, whereas it sounds like that's a mandatory. Oh, no, that's an absolutely mandatory requirement okay. for Bioconductor, mm -hmm. and it's really, really integral to their mission, I guess, as okay. well. Also, just a quick note, had you come across the word vignette before using Bioconductor? I don't think so. I guess it just stands for short form, like it's a short form document, I guess. Yeah, it's normally just like a PDF document with mm. some code snippets in there. So nowadays it's written in R Markdown. Mm -hmm. Back when it started, it was mainly Nitter documents, PDF documents. Uh, S-Weave, yeah. 
Yeah, mm. or leaf. Yeah, mm. sorry. Oh no, it's uh, <laughs> that's a whole uh, like, that's a whole another thing. That, right? Yeah, we need to. Apparently, I need to learn more about no. that. So we'll discuss <laughs> that next sorry. time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So what about? Um, yeah, I guess we have, we haven't answered the question for Kran. So who created Kran? Yes. So more was, importantly, mm. and when? When? Okay. So it was Kurt Hornick and Fritz. Leash, Fleisch, I think is how it's here. Do we know anything about these people? Um, I don't actually know a whole lot about them. I'm sorry, but I do know that Kurt is um, still an active maintainer, I believe, for um, Cran. Um, and I know that they're both in Europe, but that's about all I really know. Um, and this was actually in 1997. And so I was started in 1992. Um, Cran was created as a draft version in 1997 and uh, R and they became stable in about 2000 so CRAN was sort of a I guess like a fundamental feature of R from its um, from its genesis and yeah um, as for where it, it was created I actually don't have an answer for that but I believe you have an answer for that for the bioconductor oh yeah for bio- see there's much more documentation for bioconductor okay, so yeah. I think we should give you all the credit because it was much easier for me than for you to find out any of these things so Bioconductor was originally created at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle, where I believe they got some research money to um, actually start this project, which is quite different from Cran, obviously, mm. because Cran has never had any money, I believe. Yeah, I like it. It hasn't really been made as clear, I guess. Like, I feel like they would have had to get money from somewhere, and I know that Vienna, uh, like the Vienna Department of the uh, uh, the Economics Department, I believe, in Vienna that helps support grant, but I'm not sure what the actual, uh, like there's no grant as like as such behind it. Whereas it seems like that's much more clearly stated with the bioconductor, I imagine. Yeah, so the NIH, so that's the National Institute for Health in America, gave the startup money for bioconductor. And so they really could hire software mm. engineers, project mm. managers, and sort of make this a concerted effort. And also... It has since then gotten heaps of money from other research organizations mm-hmm. around Europe, um, also Australia, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's been it's been very different. It's not just a community-driven effort. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. So just a quick question. NIH is National Institute for Health, or what is it? Yeah, the, okay. National, Health, the National Institute for Health. Okay. And, so yeah. That's an American... Uh, it's like a big yeah, American... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like our body. NHMRC... Okay. So it's like the Australian grant body that gives people money for medical research. Mm, so that's like the National Health and Medical Research Council. Yes. I'm just like I'm just having yes. a real that like is, a real guess there. A okay. Step in the dark, but <laughs> yeah. correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I imagine there would have been a pretty substantial grant, but then I guess that allows them to then like you know money begets more money with this sort of thing. So yeah, that's like normally the case. And mm. also it means that they have to do a little bit more reporting than Cran has to mm. do in yeah. terms of, hey, what have we achieved this year? Yeah. And actually they do um, come out with these wonderful annual reports where you can actually find a lot of information about what Bioconductor is. So that's quite different. They're very different. Um, um, well, like, and <laughs> Don't you wish though. you had that for Cran? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it changes things a bit. and um, But like then I think it... You know, like I often wonder who are the people who actually run CRAN because I like and like that information is up there, but it's like it's not entirely clear if this is part of their the position they take up at the university or if this is just a volunteer thing. And yeah, um, that's actually really interesting. Is mm. is the fact that so many people give to CRAN and give substantial amount of 
their time um, and possibly their employer's times, mm. like how is this actually managed? So this brings us, I guess, to mm. the question of the core teams and mm. what they do. Both Bioconductor and um, Crown are actually governed by core teams mm. that help in the development and sort of set the direction for both of these projects. I think an important distinction to make here is that there is the R core team and then CRAN, the CRAN maintainers, is actually like a different group of people. And that's uh, like, that's uh, like, it's the same R that is used, I guess, for like regular R use and for those people who use the Bioconductor set of packages. Bioconductor um, sort of structured itself in a similar way. So it has a Bioconductor core team. Um, which mostly at the Russell Park Cancer Institute. Mm -hmm. And um, then it has some technical advisors and scientific advisors, which give guidance in terms of where the project needs to go. Mm. That's, I guess that's, that's similar to what how Crown is set up. So that's quite interesting that they really kind of copied that from there. Mm. Well, yeah, and yeah, and then Crown and in turn borrowed off of um, CPAN and CTAN. So I know CTAN is used for like tech, like if it's LaTeX, um, but the, and so they've sort of like borrowed from these ideas. But it's not entirely clear for me, like if there is a, well, I can't really find information very easily about what is the direction for CRAN and where are they going and what the process is. Yeah, that's where these annual reports again come in. Help yeah, yeah, so yeah, and I mean, you know, like these people from CRAN are, volunteers so i guess you know like they don't have the same incentive and same requirements so i guess you know it would just require more of their time um and they're probably already really busy doing a whole lot of other things and the fact that they're maintaining cran is pretty huge because there's now 12,349 packages on cran yes so it's like a it's a hard thing to maintain and i think part of the difficulty with this and one of the reasons it works so nicely is is that when you download a package from cran you know that that's going to work with everything else that's, that's on CRAN. Um, which, and this is in part to do with the... Uh, it's like the way that they have decided to set up the infrastructure. So if I download something and this, this package um, supports like 10 other packages on CRAN, then it has to work with all of them. And if it breaks one of them, they, they have to fix it. That's like a mandatory part. And, I, and that's the same with Bioconductor, right? Um, yes, so all the developers need to um, keep fixing their packages um, and with Bioconductor, it's probably a bit easier because they're not quite as many. We only have 1,477 packages on Bioconductor, so yeah. <laughs> but that's 1,477 packages that have vignettes and substantial documentation. and Yeah, they're probably also a little bit bigger, tend to be a little bit hmm. bigger than some more functions and stuff, more things that can possibly break. But I guess the difference with Bioconductor is that it has a release um, structure. So mm. unlike CRAN, where you can upload a package, I believe, anytime, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I could like, try and submit one right now, for example. Uh, and then so like, like providing that it doesn't have any warnings when I do the text or any notes, it would generally just get accepted and then it would be on the roll to get added. So it would probably be in, in a couple of days. Yeah, so with Bioconductor, it's completely different. We have two release cycles a year. One of them is in May and then, or April, May, and then one of them is around October. And y your package can only be uploaded to the current release branch. 
at that time. Mm -hmm. So that really gives people time to fix bugs, but also set deadline for mm. when to do it. Okay, right. So that means then that like, I guess just you you can plan things out and like this is in was it April release? Yeah, so okay. like late April, early May type release. So yep. there's just one coming up um, on I believe the second of May. Mm -hmm. So does that then mean like do I like when I want to use Bike Doctor, I don't download all of the Bike Doctor at once. I just download the packages I want, right? Yeah, okay. so it's exactly like Cran and that might have not been really clear is that it's just you add packages. Mm -hmm. It's just you add packages from a different repository. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so if you've ever had the experience of choosing the closest Cran mirror, I guess it would like it would just be like choosing like a different service. So you say like I wanted to download... So no, it's not. No, no, it's not. So like, like it's not just it's installed so it's packages. Like, okay. Yeah, so you can't use install packages. Actually, good point. So if you want to use Bioconductor, you actually have to download um, Bioconductor first and mm -hmm. the Bioconductor installer, BioC Lite, and that you should be using BioC Lite from then on out and to download all your packages, including the CRAN packages, using BioC Lite oh, really? instead of install packages. And yeah, that's a little bit because... The release cycles of R and um, Bioconductor are a little bit different. Okay. So that means with BioC Lite, you might be, you might, you're always certain that you get the right version of any R package that you're trying to download. Whereas with install packages, that might not be the case. Just because the release mm -hmm. of R sometimes comes a little bit before the release of Bioconductor mm -hmm. or a little bit later. When you're saying R, then you... You're referring to R, uh, like, you know, 3.4 or something like that. 3.4.1 yes. or something like that. Okay. But in terms of a CRAN package, it's not entirely clear which CRAN package. It tries to, to download It tries to download the one that's most recent mm. from, from, the, from R, but depending on what R version is currently in use, I guess, mm -hmm. and what bioconductor version you're using, which works with whatever R version. So it's kind of... You kind of have to go through several scenarios to figure out yeah, that yeah. question okay. and where you are at. So, yeah, not straightforward, certainly. Yeah, And no, also right not documented, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sure someone will send me a, like, yeah, I mean, a documentation after I've said this. 100% or... Yeah, I mean, well, in some sense, that's like, <laughs> it's like we'll the fastest way something. to get an answer on the internet, right? We'll You're like, something. I can't do this. While we're at this uh, nitty-gritty stuff, let's ask, like, the question of how many people use it. Okay, I'm not sure. Uh, I, like, I'm hazarding a guess at, at, at millions. I guess whoever downloads our release is going to use Kranos as well. Yeah. There's going to be very few people. Maybe your statistics is into classes where you only need the mm. base packages, mm -hmm. which actually brings us to the base packages because mm. they're quite different, aren't they? They are. Well, yes. It's a, like if, if you download just R, then it comes with a select set of packages, which will be something in the region of, I think it's around eight packages. I'm um, just going to pull them up now. So these are things like um, the compiler package, the data sets. So R, the base R has all these uh, these handy data sets that come with it. So like air quality or the iris data set, if you've seen that one before. And that yeah, sort of the data set we all love and yes. which has recently gotten loads of love on Twitter, I believe. Oh, really? I think, yeah, there were some... Tweet saying that if you publish a paper with the iris data set, it should be rejected. Well, outright because that's not a data set that anyone wants to see again. No, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good point. Um, yeah, oh, we could we could really go into that actually. Um, 
Yeah, Tom Lumley has a really good blog post about the Iris data set, actually. It's worth a read. We'll have to find it. Um, but we'll basically, put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it Yay. in the show notes. This is great. Um, and then there's under packages like GR devices, graphics, grid. So these are all to do with graphics devices for plotting things. Um, there's the methods package. As that has all the defined methods and classes for R, objects, parallel, um, splines, stats, stats for TCLDK, tools, and utils. So these are the things that will always come with R. And for some people, that's totally enough, isn't it? Well, yes, so, but then there's also this other set of packages, is about another 10 that will get added that will. So it says, including the following recommended packages, which are to be included in all binary distributions of R. So it seems like this is sort of the base, like, plus plus set of packages. And I don't know, do you want me to listen? There's about like, nah, no, we're good. Bioconductor, it's actually only, it's, it was actually also quite hard to find any information, even though we have annual reports. So it gets about 600,000 unique visitors a year to its website. Hmm. So that could probably indicate that that's about its sort of user group. Um, but then when you look at the number of visitors who visit the support sites for all the bioconductor packages, it's actually about half of that. So that's probably the active user group. Mm. Hmm. So 300,000, around 350,000. I mean, that's pretty huge. Yeah. I think, but yeah. Um. But I guess, yeah, that doesn't really tell us anything about how many developers there are or active developers. I think for... Um, by in fact, I read it's somewhere in the thousands, so like 1,300 active developers, because that's what people, amount of people that describe to the mailing list, which is mandatory if you put in a bioconductor package. Mm -hmm. so All right, so, that, you, okay. that you, so that you are aware of what's happening mm -hmm. with bioconductor and whether, when something breaks, that you can help out potentially. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's like, and that's actually another difference uh, between NAR and CRAN. So if I, I submit a package to CRAN, then I have to have like a, an update email so they can contact me directly if anything breaks, but I don't have to be on like the mailing list per se. I could join, but it's not a requirement. That's um, really weird because you could get a lot of good information from those developer mailing lists. Yeah, yeah, there is like a lot of, um, like there is a lot of discussion. I, like, I do check the development list, but it's not a requirement. Um, yeah. That I'm on it, I guess. But, but yeah. I guess there's also, it would be loads of people for our being on that development mailing list. Yeah, it's not as many as you, like it's maybe two emails a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's heaps more for Bioconductor. There's right. at least, I think there's at least, uh, I get at least five or maybe even more okay. than that a day. Yeah, like I guess there's a bit of variation, but yeah, like I don't get a lot. Um, hmm, there you go. Um, yeah, so like uh, since we are at the differences between the two things, we've mm. already mentioned vignettes. Um, mm. I guess one of the main things uh, for bioconductors is also version control, which they're very, very um, into. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons, because they do want to make sure that this is a reproducible research effort. So it makes sense that version control is mandatory. So every package on um, bioconductor gets developed on Git and then gets uploaded to the development brand of Bioconductor, um, which uh, sort of precedes the release branch um, because, yeah, due to that weird structure. Mm. And that release branch also, uh, the development branch also is developed on the newer version of R3. 
All right. And so that's not how it works with uh, with Grant. You basically have like a web form that you can fill out or if you use a package like DevTools and that can like allow you to automatically submit your package that way. But that, as far as I'm aware, isn't on... Um, yeah, like it's not with Git, it's with SVN, which is just like a different type. So there's actually... Wait, is Bioconductor actually on GitHub? Well, it is also on GitHub in a way because you do submit your complex. And I actually never personally went through this, mm. so I don't really know what I'm talking about here. But you do add some SSH key to your GitHub repository that you want to upload. And that, and that gives, I guess, gives access to the Bioconductor people to have a look at it mm -hmm. and then actually do proper code review. So that's also a major difference between CRAN because you talked about how, you know, you basically submit your package and then the next day or maybe two days later, it's on CRAN and everyone can use it. Yeah, it takes a little bit longer with Bioconductor. Mm. You have to go through a couple of more checks, not just your build and check, but mm -hmm. also your BioC check, which mm -hmm. makes sure that you have a vignette, for example. Mm -hmm. And then there is actually a person who goes in, possibly from the core team, and has a look whether your code conforms and whether you could make any improvements. It sounds like it's not guaranteed that they're going to do a code review, but like a human has to look at the code. Yeah, it just depends. If, I guess if the package is really simple, they won't going to do any big code review. But if it's something that sort of majorly interacts with their infrastructure, they're probably going to have a bit of a closer look at it hmm. to make sure that it doesn't break everything. Right. Huh. That's really interesting because I guess like that does... Like I have heard of this happening with CRAN, for example, with certain packages, they might, like it might drop a flag or something on their automated test, um, but it might not be critical, but then someone might look through the code and say, this is like a dangerous practice, don't do this. Or, you know, like you might be doing something um, like, say, for example, accessing the file system um, uh, without the user's permission. So that's something that I know is um, it's quite important to make sure you're doing that in like a safe way. Um, because code review is sort of this new-ish thing to academia, but it's kind of an old thing from the software world or like a... Yeah, hmm. so I guess, I mean, it's not exactly code review like you would have it in a company hmm. where someone really goes through your code with a fine comb and makes sure that it really does what it says it does. I think it's more from a perspective of could this be made faster? Could this be implemented better in particular? Could this be done with an S4 class? Is there existing infrastructure in Bioconductor bio that should be used rather than what has been implemented there. So Bioconductor does not like if you try to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that makes obvious sense because um, that wastes everyone's resources. So just go use the classes that are already out there. Yeah. That's what they're trying to emphasize. Okay, sure. And one thing I think um, is important to emphasize is this S4 thing. So this is like an important feature, I guess, of like a bioconductor, and I guess like maybe it's not like we don't want to get like into the weeds too much, but um, S4 is this newish method. I believe it came out, I think, with version four of S. I think is where it came from, but it's basically so it's not that new. Not that new. Um, <laughs> yeah, like new, relatively speaking. <laughs> okay, but that's actually going to the limit of my understanding of S4. So, so yeah, it's just a bit more formal than what you would know from your S3. So it just declares classes and methods a little bit more formal, formally and makes sure that the inheritance is structured mm -hmm. in a more formal manner. 
And don't ask me beyond that because I also never fo- programmed in S4. Sure, but that's like hard. a sure, <laughs> but that's a that's like another sort of software, I guess, difference there. So it, it sounds like there's a lot more. I don't know, like there's a lot more rules with Bioconductor, I guess, and for good reason. Yeah, for mm. good reason, because mm. they do want to make sure that the code on there is really ready for academic use mm-hmm. and that people who come in and use this code can be certain, can be quite certain that it does what it says it does. Of course, there will be errors because, again, there's not a formal, formal code review happening here. Yes, there's just more like stamps of authority on that, like having someone check the code and say, hey, there's a faster or a better way to do this, or hey, someone else is already implemented this method those are really nice checks of assurance i guess that would make you feel really good yeah so i yeah also i guess that sort of goes into a more academic way of thinking about sort of contributions to research where because you got the stamp you can also sort of use it as a real academic contribution Hmm. whereas maybe with a grant package that's a bit harder to pull off i think it depends on the department but sure i think that software in academia is always can always be like an uphill battle sometimes uh, and not always and that is changing but I think if you have something that has more I guess recognition it has an NIH grant it has all these other things then maybe that's more thorough exactly mm. yeah it, it does help and it does help that Bioconductor makes it really easy for a developer to pull their stats as well mm. to look at how many people have downloaded my package this month last month last year and so on and That's you don't really actually cool. even have to interact with R. You can just look on the website. And that makes it easy for people in sort of the grant bodies to actually go and check your claims, which they would never do with a grant package because right. they would have to use R and they don't know how to use R. Yeah. Well, there is a CRAN logs site, actually, that makes a badge. Um, but that is, I think, using the R Studio mirrors. So you're only getting a sample of what your actual like, downloads are. So I don't know how to do that from CRAN itself. So Bioconductor will give you that exact number. Yes, they will get that exact number, which is nice. That's awesome. Um, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you wish you were developing for a Bioconductor, but oh, maybe after yeah. finding out that you have to use unit tests, you might not. Oh, no. I've, well, <laughs> I do write unit tests, but um, but yeah, that is like another thing that isn't, that's not required. Wait, so are unit tests required? They're strongly encouraged. Really? So okay. I think that would in Bioconductor speak, that means they're probably not going to necessarily say no to your package if you don't have them, but you'll kind of look like a, I guess, like a noob. But I'm not sure. Um, people seem to like having them on their GitHub pages now, saying, oh, I've, my unit tests cover 80% of my code or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are really into it. So, yeah, the other, I guess the other difference, I've kind of alluded to it already, is that fact that Bioconductor really encourages reuse of other packages. So mm-hmm. that means that the Bioconductor infrastructure is really heavily dependent on each other. So packages typically depend on a huge number of other packages, whether these be on CRAN or Bioconductor, actually. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's not necessarily the case with CRAN, is it? Um, it isn't, like... I think that there are some checks that they will do. Like if someone tried to re-implement something that was nearly identical, then there might be like a, hey, that's, you know. But like it's not really clear like on the on the policy of that. I think it's on a case-by-case by, um, or like on a case-by-case basis. Um, 
Yeah, but it's it's sort of almost this idea of you want to have packages that do a small thing, like a, this kind of Unix type. Yeah, the modularity of things. Mm, yeah. But then with modularity, what is really important is that other people do make use of your modularity, which is what Bioconductor does. Mm. It makes sure that other people use whatever is already there. And with CRAN, not sure that's necessarily the case for all packages. There's certainly some people who do this. Yeah, I mean... Like I had, like there was one package rejection I can't think of recently. Um, someone suggested a color palette, like a new color palette for Australia. And then they got rejected because they said like, could you try and put all the color packages together or have some sort of format for that? Um, and, and that was kind of surprising. So like that, that's the thing that does happen occasionally. Um, yeah, but that, um, that's the only case I can think of recently. Oh, wow. Hmm. But that's... So I, maybe, like, maybe it's yeah, going, going in that direction as but, well but not in like an official way actually just reading on the preamble to their policy they do say that cran hosts packages in publication quality and is not a development platform um and then a sentence after this says a package's contribution has to be non-trivial so this was actually a pretty recent addition in the past couple of months and this was a little bit caused a bit of a hubbub on like on twitter because they don't really describe what non-trivial means. Yeah, well, uh, i mean that could mean very different things to very different people exactly. because like an australian color palette might be non-trivial to um, sort of more the designer-focused R users. Yeah, and then it sort of said, like, you know, like there was some discussion of the fact that uh, that the C in CRAN is not, like, central or something like that. It's comprehensive. Um, and so I know there's some discussion about what that means and who gets to decide that. How can you contribute, apart from submitting mm. a package to these things, to like either Bioconductor or CRAN? So, like, outside of... Say like just doing kind of writing your own package, yeah, yeah. So there's so you can donate to the R Foundation, which is not the same as is not the same as donating to R. Um, is that what you mean in terms of contributions? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so that is and so that'll help support the R Foundation, which uh, has more to do with supporting the growth of the R language, uh, and that'll, as I understand it, help support things like the Use R Conference, which is the yearly conference um, held around the world. Um, it's like the peak body, I guess, of, um, of the R programming language. Um, and I'm not entirely... Um, yeah, and so that's where that money, I believe, goes to. Uh, and they've actually got a pretty nice interface to donating. Um, that's awesome. Hmm. No, that's we really should good. put um, the address in the show notes so people can find it and donate. Um, for Bioconductor, donations don't seem to be a thing they want. They seem to want you to donate their ta your time to review packages and um, make some new documentation if possible. That's really where, um, yeah, where, where they need donations. Um, mm. So, and again, too, I, I guess also they quite like to have workflows put on um, Bioconductor and courses because it's not just about packages. It's also about really making sure that people know how to use these things. And that's mm. where teaching comes in. Mm. Um, so there's about 290 courses on Bioconductor for people that want to learn how to use a Bioconductor packages for a variety of things. Um, so that's quite great. And um, yeah, there's also heaps of workflows which are super, super useful because mm -hmm. you can just copy paste from these mm -hmm. and get your analysis done way quicker than if you had to think through this yourself. Right. That's cool. Like, Well, there are... Again, like just to sort of keep the back and forth, like you can, there are some 
Uh, there are some documents and some courses on the R site, but I but it's not clear how to add to these. Um, yeah, and so for like bioconductor, is it pretty like it's pretty straightforward to add something? Or? I think you would just send them an email okay. and um, guess if the quality is good enough, and especially if you have a YouTube video to go along with it, they would probably be quite interested. And mm-hmm. if you are a package developer, then you know you're probably the authority on how to use your package. Mm. So that would be super exciting to them. Um, yeah. So I guess also to the conference point that you made earlier, for mm. Bioconductor, there's also a conference or conferences, actually. Um, there is one coming up this year in Toronto, in Canada, in July, mm. where all the developers and also users meet and just discuss where the project is heading, um, showcase new sort of cool packages or examples of use. Um, and yeah, there are sort of satellite meetings in Europe and um, in Asia, in the Asia Pacific area as well. Really? So that's and so there's at least two or three a year then in different places in the world. Yes. Okay. I think there's at least three every year. Okay. Well, that's awesome. There's um yeah well there's so this year I guess then to carry on your point we have the USAR conference in Australia for the first time. So that would be in Brisbane. Um, or did you already... You, didn't you know, say, no. I didn't say that no, yet. Okay, no, sorry. So this is really good. Yeah, yeah. No, this is really exciting. So for the past um, 10, or, 10 or more years, this has been... Um, the ARC conference has been going from America to Europe and America to Europe. Um, and then we've sort of jumped in and said, hey, like, what about the Southern Hemisphere? And so now we have the first um, the first user in Australia, which is really exciting. It'll be in Brisbane from July 10 to 13. And yeah, which is coming up fast now. We're nearly. It's of, so quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, when I first heard about it, it feels like that was yesterday, but no, it wasn't. It's already, hmm. it's already a couple of months at least since yeah. then, and I'm sure we'll be uh, even faster into USAR, which is actually part of the reason why we started this podcast because we wanted to create um, some sort of environment where everyone knew about Australia and that also we use R down under. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, like, you know, it's it's really exciting to have it like on the side of the world and also like to have a place that's close to people, say from New Zealand, where R was initially created. I feel like it's kind of... It's coming you know, home. It's coming sort home. sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway. Yeah, in some sense. Yeah, that's great. Um, is there anything else we want to say? No, I think that's um, it for now, for until next time. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I hope uh, I hope this will be working out. Yeah, great. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye.